describing there the first of Paul's missionary journeys, and we're going to talk about a chunk of that, Acts 13 and 14 today, and the title for the message I picked is Can't Buy a Bucket, which, which brings to me memories of playing NBA Jam uh, when I was a kid in the summer, and if you kept missing, the guy would go, ugly shot, and then after you missed a bunch, you'd go, can't buy a bucket, you know, and, um, and so NBA Jam on Super Nintendo, that was awesome, check that out. Um, but really what I want to talk about is this weird mixture, kind of like what Rebecca was talking about. When you serve God, or as it was just depicted in the song, like you're serving God, it's this weird mixture of extremely difficult and failure feeling and amazing things happening all at the same time. It's not one or the other. It's kind of both. And that makes it really hard sometimes. And it also is really good all, a lot, you know, the times. And so... But to act like it's all one or the other is just kind of half true. It's not really lying as much as it's just not the, tr the whole truth, you know. And so we find this starting in Antioch, which was that on that map that it showed. This is the church there. And this was like a really important thing. It kind of talks about this group of guys, and then they send Paul and Barnabas out. But I want to read you this little thing about that piece of the church. The church in Antioch spearheaded the mission to the rest of the world beyond Judea. Nearly all Christians today, and certainly all Gentile Christians, have spiritual roots in the church in Syria. Apart from this mission, the church could have been stillborn in the, in the first century had the Holy Spirit allowed such a thing to happen. This is Craig Keener, the theologian who just wrote the book we read last month. He's talking about how this, this little church in Syria is so important for everything we're still doing now. God used it that way. In any case, this list of leaders that shows a great diversity of backgrounds, which it does. They list off all these people at the beginning from all sorts of different places. But the only thing that pulls them together is this. What matters more than all these differences, though, is what binds them together. These leaders worship God, praying and fasting and ready to hear his call when he speaks. Whatever our diverse backgrounds on other points, the one God we serve unites us by his spirit. And that is what the church is. And this group of people feel led by God to lay their hands on Paul and Barnabas and send them out on a mission. And so they head over to Cyprus. Uh, that's an island I've been to, which is kind of cool to me and no one else. And uh, I don't have any photos or anything. Uh, but they kind of, this is why I picked the can't buy a bucket thing. They start doing all this really awesome stuff, and it goes like, all right. You know, like the first guy they're talking to is like this really important person, but then he has this like really sinister guy named Bar Jesus, which as a kid always reminded me of Bizarro Superman, and uh, which has nothing to do with that. It's just what it reminded me of. And that guy like is like starts to co convince the, ba the, 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 lead, the pro counsel, the guy, he's like, yeah, these guys are crazy. And so this is, the, this is kind of his altar call to that group at that time. He's talking to this, this Bar Jesus guy. You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. And then it goes on that he, like, you know, prays and the guy becomes blind for a while. So it's like that didn't end in, like, a positive way. Then they move on. They sail to Perga and Pisidian Antioch, which is another city kind of up in, like, what we call Greece and Turkey kind of area now. And, and uh, they get invited to speak. They go to the gospel. Like he said, they go to the synagogues and they share. And they're like, this is really good stuff, guys. You know, you should come back. And he gives this, like, amazing gospel message talking about like because he's talking to jewish people he's explaining like jesus is the messiah i mean like well, i don't if well, you i don't know what messiah means that doesn't mean anything to me it meant a lot to these guys and so he's laying out 
really what the gospel is. He's like, from the beginning of time, this is what God has been doing. And, this is how, and he ends with, he has this quote about this with Jesus. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets has, have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, you wonder and pe- perish to do something in your days. Wonder, oh, he says, look, you scoffers, wonder and and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. He's talking about this good news of Jesus is so good that you wouldn't even totally get it. Or it's hard. To, like You might not miss it. That's actually from Habakkuk. He's talking. He's quoting as a prophet before Jesus came. That what Jesus did is so good. And these people are like, man, this is not, this is, come back next week and let's talk about it. And they're like, by then, tons of people are there. And the other, the other synagogue leaders are, ju- are jealous. So they stir up this whole thing, and it turns into a mess, and then they have to, like, leave. And they, they don't just leave. They, like, leave going, like, like I'm shaking the dust off my feet. Like, this is, your, this is on you now. Bye. You know? So, again, not that great. Then they go to Iconium, you know, and I'm skip, skip most of this. Uh, there they get, like, <laughs> they share again. People like it. And then they find out there's a plot afoot with the other leaders to stone them. So they have to leave. And then they end up in this town called Lystra, and this is where I want to really talk. So I'm going to read this as Acts 14, 8 through 20, and it should be up on the screen. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth, and he had never walked. He listened to Paul when he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and reeds to the, to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We two are only human like you. We are, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He's provided you with plenty of food that fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city the next day. And Barnabas, the next day, he and Barnabas left for dirt. So, <laughs> so they've been doing all right thus far. And through, peppered throughout some of these ones I'm kind of moving over quickly, it talks about them like performing signs and miracles. So this idea of like healing this guy, that's kind of the stuff they're doing. But this one gets an interesting reaction. And that's what I want to talk about. So, again, to paraphrase, they go in. There's a guy who's hurt. They pray for the guy. The guy's not hurt anymore. He's well. They go, oh, my gosh. Just like those in the video, all those idols, they're like, the gods are here. We should worship them. And these guys, and they're like, no, no. God did that through us. It's not us that did it. And they go, yeah, okay, sure. We're still going to worship you. And they're like, that's not it at all. So you have a crowd of people now worshiping these guys. And then in one sentence, some other guys show up and convince them, they're, and then they stone them. So you go from being worshipped to stoned, not that kind of old-fashioned stone, like they're throwing rocks at you. Hey, hey, we're going <laughs> to... No, yeah, it's not, not time to boogie. Yeah, so, so some lessons to, from this. 
First lesson, and I'm going to breeze through these. God will do miraculous things through us when we serve him. Miraculous things. And I mean that all-encompassing. I mean healing the sick as, as well as putting our lives on the line, as well as opening our homes to those who need it, okay? Miraculous things. God will do that through us. And the only way to possibly accomplish that is to remain in Jesus. I'm going to read this from John 15, 5 through 11. This is Jesus talking about himself. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, he has also loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands. You will, oh, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that may, my joy may be complete, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Sorry. So God has given us, he will work these things through us. That's just a given. When we follow Jesus and if we abide in him, these things are the byproduct. So we don't need to be shocked by that. We, we should almost expect it, I think. You know, that's the Christian life. Second thing, <laughs> don't take credit for what God does. Let's use balls, like when they go, oh my gosh, you guys are the gods. And he's like, no, we are not. And you can look back and listen to Pastor Kevin's podcast. The chapter before, Herod Antipas, I think is his name, they do this exact same thing to him. They're like, oh my gosh, this is the voice of a God who's speaking to us now. When he was speaking, he was like, yeah, that's great. And then it says he falls over and dies and worms eat him. So, that's like the second example in Acts of God, like, you know, we have the Ananias and Sapphira situation. Then you have this. You know, God doesn't play around with people doing that kind of thing. He may not kill you and have worms eat your body, but he doesn't like it, okay? And it's wrong. Like, first off, you're not a God. So, you know, so first point, God will do miraculous things through us. Second point, don't take credit for what God does. Give God the credit like Paul did. Third thing, though, this is a... This is where we start getting into it. The crowd, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd. This is the world we live in. Now it's mostly an online crowd, maybe on Facebook, whatever. But what, do we, what about the crowd, okay? So I would say this. The crowd, even the Christian crowd, likes to deify people when they do things. You know, like, oh, my gosh, that is so great. You, you are so great. You know, and they don't just mean by that, like, I really see the Lord in you. They mean, like, you know, you are saying, which there's two, this is a double-edged sword here, guys, because one, it falsely inflates us, or you're doing, like, you can be on either side of this thing. Both sides end up getting messed up from it. One is, you could say to somebody, or I could say to them, or you could say to me, whatever, you know, you are so awesome, and you are so great, like, this is the voice of a God. You see what I'm saying? It's like, a, I'm translating a little, but you get the idea. One, that's elevating them to a, you know, a status that they do not have, which inflates the ego and all these other kind of things, and it just turns crazy. The other thing is it lets me off the hook. Like, if you're a god, then I'm just a normal person. So, you know, she's up here talking about all this stuff we could do, but I'm not a god like that. I'm just a normal person, you know. So it messes up both things because, one, she's just a normal person just like you are. You know, we're all just normal people. That's all we got is just normal people, normal people whose God's spirit lives in, and then the miracles happen. 
So don't elevate people like that. And we shouldn't celebrate that at all. And, but, but God is inviting us to do these kinds of things. But the crowd is kind of inch deep, all right? Because they'll go from elevating someone to calling them a God, which is crazy in our language, but we like to do this in just other ways, you know, to immediately stoning them or canceling them, if you want to call it that. You know, it's like immediately. The crowd is like, we will bow down and worship you. To the point that their guys, they said they work at Zeus's temple. That's like their job. So they should know a little bit what's up. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, this, <laughs> this is the guy. I kind of feel like they'd go, nah, like, look at him, you know. But instead, they're like, no, let's get some bulls and reeds and things. They're like going for it. And then in one sentence, the crowd has completely changed. To, we should probably kill these people. So that's what the crowd does. That's what the crowd did then. That's what the crowd does now. That's what the crowd does online. That's what the crowd does in your life. That's what the peanut gallery is. They will give you praise that means nothing, and then they want to kill you. That in the context of with Jesus kind of also still means nothing. But these things can, like, if you go with them on this track, you know, like, it's really easy to like when people say nice things about us and get distracted by that and really live into that. Like, I'm, I want to do these things because people look up to me or people think better of me or all this kind of thing. And then you're allowing people to worship you in a really weird way. I understand that sounds extreme language, but that's really kind of what it is. And then immediately, and the, you, but you could start to rely on that. Like now your relationship isn't sitting with Jesus beside quiet waters. It's sitting beside these kind of feedback online sort of thing or like likes or whatever it is. And then when immediately something, something happens or somebody, another, another voice comes and wins the crowd over, now they want to kill you. And you go like, what? And then the whole foundation you've been building in your life by this approval of other people, is just gone, and you're getting stoned. And the crowd is, is, is interesting. It's like um, it's made up of everyone and no one at the same time. It's like everybody's an individual, but it acts almost as a whole unit, and it comes to wrong conclusions. Not totally wrong, but wrong. Right in that recognized normal people can't do this kind of thing. Wrong in that, therefore, you must be Hermes, you know. And the crowd is reactive. They respond to things. But let's move to this. What I really think is happening is the crowd, as we sit as part of it, is longing for a touch from God. This, to me, just kind of shows how desperate we all are. That these guys go, they heal one guy. They in the section I didn't read, they healed, it, it says like a bunch of people, signs uh, and wonders, uh, this kind of thing. Like they did a lot of things like this, and it had an effect, I, I'm sure, because they, they wrote it down. But they healed one guy, you know, and then this whole craziness happens. Um, I think that if we give the crowd, again, this kind of faceless group that we're a part of, what this truly reveals is how desperate we are to see God move. We know, even those of us that claim we don't even believe in God, we know something's wrong with the world. We know something's wrong with us. We know something's wrong, and it's something that only God can fix, and we're longing to see God do that. Some of us have very specific things on that list, and some of us just understand it generally. I would argue we probably both have both, but you might be focused on one or the other. But we're longing to see God move, and that's a good thing. Because Jesus does move, and Jesus has people like Paul that are there to tell us the truth. 
And we are this crowd. Kayla, go ahead and come on up here. There's been a crowd since the beginning of time that God has been moving in. And we're now a part of this crowd because of some of the work that even Paul and these guys in Antioch were doing then. Like the mission that they were, God was sending them out on, and almost most specifically, like when you start to like say, well, in general sense, it kind of radiates out across the whole world, and isn't that great? Yeah, true, very much. But like what Craig Keener was saying, this church in Syria is critically important in a chain of passing down this understanding of who Jesus is to us. Now, see, faith in Jesus isn't like you get to make it up. You can't just decide, well, I think God's like that. It was like, well, that's fine you think that. And we're like, well, I think God's like that. And again, it's like, the same, same, same thing applies to me. Like, God isn't a way because you say so or because I say so. God is, I am that I am. He's like, I'm doing what I'm going to do. And you're going to have to be okay with that. The good news is God is like Jesus and he's good, okay? That's what Paul and them are telling everybody. That's the good news. The good news is God is Jesus. But you don't get to make it up. He's alive. He might disagree with you, (laughs) you see? And the faith that these people had had to be handed down. They call it later the faith once delivered to the saints, you know? We don't just get to make it up and change it because I don't like it. I don't like that God would be that way, so he's probably not. I mean, again, I understand. We all think these things, but we have to, the whole time we're thinking that, know that what you think about it and what I think about it changes nothing about who God is. The good news is that Jesus is good. The good news is that Jesus loves you. The good news is that, like Paul says here, he has accomplished, he has accomplished Through him who believes is set free from every sin. Through him everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification we are not able to attain under the law law of Moses. And take care that what the prophet said doesn't happen to you. That I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. That thing I was talking about that's wrong, that's like in the deep parts of who we are, we don't have to talk about it. You don't have to share it with me. I know it's there. It doesn't matter. That thing is the kind of thing that Jesus deals with. And it is hard to fathom because he says, something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. So me standing up here and saying like, hey, that thing... I can even call it out. It God can change that. You go, okay. Prove it. It's fine. He will. He will. This is the crowd that we're to be a part of. And it's the only crowd that we can accomplish anything with. It's the only crowd that we can be supportive of each other as we're doing difficult ministry, which we're all called to. And it's the only crowd that will succeed in being like what Paul has called on a mission for God. Therefore, this is Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these are these people who have believed that he's listed off as a cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For those joys set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, we cannot serve you without a revelation of your love. We cannot be the kind of people you've called us to be, that you've commanded us to be without a revelation of your love. And Lord, many of us run on empty most of the time. So Father, I pray that as Kayla sings this song, that you would break open our hearts and that you would touch the deep parts of who we are. That we wouldn't be a part of that crowd that follows you an inch deep and changes at the moment's notice just because somebody else said something different. But that we would be part of the crowd that like Paul is, that like Hebrews talks about, that great cloud of witnesses that fixes our eyes on you, Lord. Because that's the only way this stuff even makes sense. And I pray that you would do that to each of us individually in this body corporately in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you want to stand and sing this song with Caleb, it will be the close in Jesus' name.